Arrow Films is a leading independent entertainment distribution company established in 1991, operating in the UK, the Republic of Ireland, United States of America, and Canada. Arrow Films is dedicated to supporting upcoming and established filmmakers of dynamic new cinema and developing an inviolable slate of quality films that enjoy a lasting legacy across its award-winning branded labels, channels, and platforms. Arrow Films is also a leading restorer and theatrical distributor of classic and cult horror films, including landmark titles such as the 25th anniversary reissue of Cinema Paradiso, the 15th anniversary reissue of Donnie Darko, and the 30th anniversary reissue of Hellraiser. These lovingly restored films are brought back into cinemas nationwide with brand new look campaigns with wide-reaching distribution, including outdoor event status screenings at various cultural festivals and as one-off bookings in local repertory cinemas and film societies. Aerofilms is also widely considered to be the global market leader in the premium home entertainment market fueled by passionate and expert curation aligned with state-of-the-art in-house film restoration, resulting in highly sought-after bespoke Blu-ray editions of classic cult and horror films across its Aero Video and Aero Academy branded labels. Beloved by collectors, these ever-expanding brands continue to delight their growing international fan base with regular interactive live events, festival sponsorship, and retail stands presence. Our offering extends to truly limited edition box sets, as well as associated spin-off products, now including books and vinyl records. We are so happy to have Aero Video as one of our new sponsors. You can find them at www.aerofilms.com. While you're there, be sure to pick up some cool titles. For example, they have the brand new American Werewolf in London collection, which is beautiful. The complete Sartana collection. Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3. Toys are not for children. A new edition of Al Pacino's Cruising. And let's not forget a limited edition copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and a limited edition copy of RoboCop. There's so much more I can't even get into them all, but trust me when I say they're fantastic. And we couldn't be happier to have them. So once again, visit Aerofilms at www.aerofilms.com and check out all of their brands from Aero Video, Aero Academy, Aero Films, and Aero TV. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael, and um, how are you guys doing today? Good morning. How are you? Um, I am coming to you this morning to, get, to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what this next coming episode is. It's an episode I actually had a lot of fun recording. I was able to sit down with Christina Mata and Michelle Beck of the upcoming podcast, spread eagle by the time you're listening to this spread eagle might be available i know as of a couple days ago uh christina mata had recorded a new episode their first episode and was in the process of putting it out it should be available anywhere podcasts are available it's called spread eagle and realistically what it is it's two friends sitting down shooting the shit talking about a little bit of everything it's gonna get raunchy it's gonna get funny um there's an age gap between michelle and christina so it's a lot of uh michelle teaching christina about things from her day and then christina trying to get michelle more up to date you can definitely sense a little bit of that 
dynamic on this upcoming episode. Michelle and I, we love old movies, so we talk about that quite a bit. And Christina also likes old movies, but me and Michelle have seen more of them. Um, I don't know, this was a real interesting conversation for me. Uh, we dealt, We didn't delve on a specific film like Nick and I usually do. It was more just freewheeling anything to do about movies. And it kind of came to be because I, I hadn't put on an episode since Andre Gower, and I wanted to get something out to you guys. So while me and Nick do have a new episode in the can about Swiss Army Man for our Patreon patron, Stephen Millick, I wanted to get something out to you in the meantime. So the, the general premise was anything that had to do about movies is fair game. So in this conversation, Michelle talks about her history in the film industry in her own slight way, um, making film duplicates as a kid. Well, she wasn't making them. Her parents were, but uh, the famous clients her parents had, her love for old movies. We talk quite a bit about Vincent Price and my love for him, and there's even a delightful roasted pork recipe in this episode by Vincent Price. We talk about some of the great comedians like Buster Keaton and Laurel and Hardy, the Three Stooges. And we even run down a quick little list of 10 of our favorite movies, give some recommendations. It's a great conversation. I decided I wanted to record this little introduction, though, because um, we definitely did have some audio issues while recording. We were recording in Christina's basement. I was using a combination of my gear and her gear, uh, and I was running into issues while recording it. So sometimes I tried to get everything leveled out well. I feel like I'm mic'd pretty decently, but Christina and Michelle are sharing a microphone. And so there shouldn't be any extreme spikes, but it is worth mentioning that the audio is a little bit inconsistent with them. And then as I was running into issues, I've removed a good portion of it, but in case you do hear it, any instances of static or extreme echo... I've tried to remove. There are still some cases of them, but it's a lot less troublesome than I thought it was going to be. So I just wanted to kind of come in, give you guys a rundown, let you know what you're going to hear. And um, yeah, enjoy my conversation with Christina Mata and Michelle Beck of the upcoming podcast, Spread Eagle. podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements, endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers and we have two very impromptu guests today. We have the two hosts of the upcoming podcast, Spread Eagle. We have Christina Mata. Mata. And Michelle Beck. I don't have a fun way to say it. Hello. Beck is in Peck or Pecker. Pecker, yep. That works. Pecker, Becker, Beck. Mm-hmm. That's so, how you know how to pronounce it. Christina and Michelle are kind of getting me out of a bind because <laughs> I have uh, 
I have been in desperate need of an episode. I haven't recorded an episode in a month since I had Andre Gower, the star of Monster Squad, on my show. Oh, cool. You've, I assume you've seen Monster Squad based on your exasperated gas. Yeah, I did. I queefed. She's got to go change her depends really quick. Yeah, I do. Um, and I just feel like I need something, and, I, and I've had a couple guests fall out so here we are you guys are saving my butt a little bit (laughs) and it just so happens that you two can discuss movies with me oh yeah that's our thing movies yeah so tell us a little bit about spread eagle please um you okay go ahead (laughs) you opened your mouth like you were gonna talk it was just because the microphone was close no 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 it's it's actually uh we're gonna discuss our just it's basically like an open forum. Like we'll, we'll discuss what's on our minds that day, whatever pisses us off. Um, yeah, we have, it, it's we'll kind have, of, it doesn't really have much of a structure. It's more of like whatever's on our mind that we want to discuss. We have a few topics of interest that we want to oh yeah, talk coming. about. Um, some of the cool things that we want to do is like taking movie titles and changing them up and mm-hmm. then changing up the whole plot of the movie mm-hmm. and just making it into something really funny and stupid. It's fun things. That, that's how we entertain ourselves. It's just like making a bit and just going with it for the whole duration of the show. So would you say it's it's completely comedy based or would you say there's some therapy involved with, with a show like it's this? It's comedy therapy, I'd say. Yeah. It's definitely mostly comedy, but if therapy happens, then win-win. Then you're welcome. Then if, there you go. If we save some lives, you're welcome. I've always yeah. felt that like podcasting is an interesting. It, it could very easily be used as therapy, um, like just using my own. life. It's almost like a live journal that you're putting out to the world, mm-hmm. um, with myself included. Like me and my co-host Nick, we usually spend anywhere from ten to forty-five minutes before we. Act- I actually do my intro just shooting the shit and a lot of it gets cut out because not all it's good but it's like that's where i'll get stuff out and uh but then i but then i also do choose to keep some of that in mm-hmm. because yeah. i feel like you know i i was anyone who was want who was so i was furloughed from my job for seven months last year and I poured a lot of time into doing this show. Yeah. I did like twice a week live streams to the show. And anyone who was following, like I was reviewing movies and doing stuff like that. But I remember f- when you were live streaming, I'd be like, oh, there he is. He's on Facebook. Let me watch. Anyone who was watching the show realized like before I got to any movies, it's like, I'm just like, here's why I'm depressed today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I guess I'll talk about Problem Child later. Sure. But, you know, here's how I feel about myself today. Definitely. And I feel like it's always good to get that stuff out there. And um, and especially if you can, I don't want to say mask it, but if you could, you know, put in a sense of comedy or enjoyment along the way as well. You know, I think everyone wins. Comedy and laughter gets you through a lot of hard times. And movies, too. Movies, there are some movies that I, I'm, they, they've saved my life. When mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, when I think of dark times in my life and there were certain movies that I watched that I shows. Watch, oh, yeah, and yeah. shows. And I'd watch over and over and it kind of got me into my little bubble mm-hmm. and got me through a lot of dark periods. Like, I always refer to, like, Robin Williams Robin Williams saved my life. I had a lot of things when I was younger that weren't good, but I'd watch his movies and they just kind of shielded me from mm-hmm. a lot of bad things. And it, it got kind of, me through a lot of tough times. It puts you in a, a different mindset where you're not completely in reality, but yeah. you're, you're, you're there, but 
you know that there's something else out there to look forward to. Exactly. Robin Williams and Richard Pryor. Yeah. My heroes <laughs> when I was, I loved yeah. Richard Pryor. I yeah. still love Richard Pryor. I know when I was in like one of the darkest times of my life, I, this doesn't sound really dumb, but I got addicted to, um, kitchen nightmares. Oh, and I, I just binged watched the shit out of that. Like all the, all the seasons just back to back. And the, the Simpsons for me. Yeah. The oh, Simpsons. Just, yeah. I want to say it saved my life, but, but it's, it, it was in my life before I needed it, mm -hmm. but it got me through the times that I, that I definitely did. So after my, my father passed away, mm -hmm. I just, I kind of delved into this, in, into the Simpsons and I it was intentional. Like, yeah, like, you know, I was definitely going for some of the funny episodes, but I was mm -hmm. intentionally going for the gut, like the, the episodes that make you cry. Because people mm -hmm. don't think of, people who don't watch enough of The Simpsons don't realize there are a lot that of episodes sense. that do. Mm -hmm. Like Homer's triple bypass still makes me cry like a baby every time I see it. There are some I know there are some <laughs> undertones there that yeah. were, were more deep feeling. Yeah. And they're just getting the whole sense of like the family dynamic. Like they're hilarious, sure, but when it comes down to it, like they all love each other so much. And Homer's still even though he seems like a putz, he's yeah. still a good dad that cares about his kids and, a good and family. Husband, yeah, in, even the, in though, the end. Even though he's a mess. But he's a good husband. He's a good. But I think good dad. It, I think it relates to reality, you know, because mm -hmm. we're all a mess. Mm -hmm. But that's actually why I got this Homer Simpson tattoo, where he's he's shaped like a heart. I didn't even. I see thought that. he just had a cancer in his brain. Well, that well, I thought that was another part that I could put because <laughs> cancer took my dad. So that I was, was like, so well, if anyone asks, it's a cancer tribute tattoo. But I got this Homer Simpson tattoo because it got me through everything that went with my with, with my dad. Mm -hmm. But then it's also funny because he hated the Simpsons, <laughs> so Aww. it's like to get a, a Simpsons the tattoo and tribute to there. him. It's like fuck you, old man. <laughs> He's probably like, fuck you. That's that's beautiful, but fuck you. <laughs> the same time. I always called him my big palooka because I watched a lot of Looney Tunes. <laughs> oh. I was just talking about the Simpsons in the pool today. Yeah. But somehow, I, I forget. In the what, pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the pool today. I was in the pool. Again, I can't even remember how it started, but it was like when we were talking about like, things that you do uh, impulse things that you do that you regret and then when it when it was an episode where he had starlight vocal band forever <laughs> i remember I, that i could not stop because not too many people know starlight vocal band and i remember the first time i saw that i couldn't stop laughing it was hilarious but <laughs> I, that's what i love about that show because it's funny the kids get like my nieces and nephews love that show but yet there's still that other side that only us adults yeah. get and uh, because of all the old movie references there's mm -hmm. so many movie references in the simpsons yeah. that i think oh my god like who else gets this like when they, <laughs> they do a lot of their movies. Uh, one there. of the ones that always struck stuck with me and that's one of the reasons i like the simpsons too because you watch it mm -hmm. at a certain age and you laugh and mm -hmm. then they make references you don't get and you still laugh because mm -hmm. even though you don't get it because they say it in a funny way um, but like the one that I always think back at is the, it's the, um, the episode where they had Alec Baldwin and, um, um, who's Alec Baldwin married to for the longest time Kim in the nineties, Kim Basinger, uh, and they had Ron Howard in the episode and they were all being jerks to, to Homer. So he created a museum of Hollywood jerks where he's just literally like airing their laundry, dirty laundry. <laughs> 
And everyone's like, Homer, why are you being so mean to the celebrities? What'd they ever do to you? And it was like, and he goes this in the speech. He's like, celebrities don't care about you. I remember And then that. My, my favorite line is like, he's like, where's Ray Bolger? Ray Bolger only cares about Ray Bolger. And that joke always stuck with me. And then I got to a certain age. It's like, who the fuck is Ray Bolger? And I had to look him up and it was a whole thing. And when it's time to do the dishes, where's Ray Bolger? I'll tell you. Ray Bolger is looking out for Ray Bolger. Ray Bolger, the the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or like a, another yeah. one that always stuck with me. When, I like um, how Michelle made a reference to me, so I I understand what we're talking about. Oh, because <laughs> no, no. I know characters, but I really don't know the actor names. I'm just like, oh, that guy, yeah, he's great, but I have no idea what their Ray name Bolger. is, what their history is, what what else or they've like, done. So uh, I appreciate that. Every so often, I just like on Facebook, I just I just post an out of context Simpsons quote, and then like we'll post who it's about. So like I posted that quote and just posted a picture of Ray Bolger or uh, <laughs> there was one where a Homer is on a hunger strike and Lisa quotes um, Cesar Chavez to him and Cesar Chavez comes to him and he goes, why do you, he's like, oh, I'm Cesar Chavez. He's like, why do you look like Cesar Romero? Cause you don't know what Cesar Chavez looks like. So I posted a picture of Cesar Chavez next to Cesar Romero yeah. for no reason <laughs> other than it made me laugh or like, only, I only know who Tito Puente is because of the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. They, they, Throw a lot of culture in there. Oh yeah, lots. Yeah. And like I said, the old, and especially like they go old movies too. Mm -hmm. Like, well, Ray Bolger. Like, how many? Even though everybody knows Wizard of Oz, yeah. they can't. If you say who is the name, what is the name of the actor that was Ray Bol? That that's oh my, my dumbass. I, I have no idea. What's the name of the actor who played the, <laughs> scarecrow, the scarecrow? Wizard of Oz. Ray I'm Bolger. Like, fucking scarecrow man. I don't fucking know. <laughs> he was in. He was in Meet Me. No, no. Um. Uh, the other Judy Garland movie too, um, the Harvey Girls, mm -hmm. and he played. He was in there, and the great Ziegfeld. He played. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a. I mean, he was like rubber legs. When you watch him dance, you forget what a great dancer he was. I mean, when you compare it, when you think of Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, yeah. I mean, he did this one dance where he split down the middle. Beg your pardon? Yeah, I know. I was like, I, I, I don't have a penis, and I still gasped when he did that <laughs> middle. <laughs> I was like, holy cow! But he was very. My crotch will be hurting. This that guy's probably yeah. How does he do it? He was in bed because he was so limber. Mm -hmm. Never thought about sexual rape. I guess we'll have to do some research. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rape older sex tape. Yeah. I'm, I bet there's one out there. Maybe he dresses up at the, as the scarecrow. Never thought of that before. Thing. They could have had role play. Yeah. I'll be the scarecrow yeah. tonight. <laughs> Get my straw out. What did he need? A brain? Yeah, he needed he a needed brain. He needed a brain. If I only had a brain. Well, they always, sorry, but they always say men's brains are in their penis. And yeah. he needed a brain. Yeah. Maybe that's where the brain was and he wanted it in And they're like, oh, I'll show you your brain. Sorry. I love this because this has actually become, this has become a trailer for uh, Spread Eagle. It's essentially Spread Eagle. <laughs> Ray Boulder, may he rest in peace. He's rolling over in his grave like, the fuck? Now I just want like I, I want to start. I, I want to go to like a yard sale in Hollywood and just see if mm -hmm. I like. Can I find a Ray Bolger sex tape? I guess it'd be Red Ray Bolger sex reel. No. Yeah, yeah. Do you because... think we'd find that in Hollywood at a rummage sale? They found the fucking un. They found the complete version of Metropolis in a fucking <gasps> basement somewhere. They can find yeah, anything that's in Hollywood. That's my poster in my office. Let's Metropolis. go. Let's go on a vacay. Let's just go and just go searching for oh shit my God. just walk around see if there's rummage sales 
sneak into people's basements. I don't give a fuck. Let's go. I just got a girl hard on thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. I was... <laughs> girl Woody. Thinking Ooh, we should about do that like on an episode, like live stream it. Just go sneaking into people's houses. See what happens yeah. as we're getting arrested. <laughs> we'll see you on the cops. It's for, it's, yeah. for, it's for the content. It's cops, for the content. And I'm bit. sure the cops are really used to it. They're like, oh, it's for content. Okay. And then they smile for the camera. What is going? No, cops don't like when you film them. They don't? Yeah, they sure don't. <laughs> oh, that's right. They sure as hell don't. The show cops. I'm like, I'll be like, though. you want to turn on your camera? Oh, I see it's off. You want to turn it on for me? Mm, oh, God. They'll be like, no. That's if tough because I'm recording. Had... So Off mic, we were talking about movies uh, mm-hmm. upstairs. We're currently recording in Christina's basement. Mm-hmm. And you had alluded to the fact that movies were part of your life for yeah. a long time. Tell that story. Why are movies so important to you? I know it's important to me because I just fucking watched TV all the time as a kid and I didn't get out and that's how I developed this ro- this rotund body. No, you rotund. know, no. oh my god, Fuck you know they here. have just. I mean, movies. That is my passion. I mean, I well, I'm from here, but my family grew. Uh, they well, I grew up in Los Angeles, so my family oh, moved to Los Angeles and they had a mail order business, and we used to like um, duplicate film prints ah. of movies and we had a mail order business it was totally illegal at the time that's why i said our, our pictures of christmas at, when we lived in that small apartment the whole wall was a film processor with our stockings so hanging from it so you you guys were were bootlegging movies yeah before the vhs boom you were bootlegging before film Betamax. prints you were bootlegging film prints for i assume collectors mm-hmm. because theaters had the connection to all these you know maybe there was some like you know redneck little theaters that needed a print of something that didn't want to pay the yeah, studio no, these are for like film buffs oh, mostly collectors leonard Malton was one of our um the film critic leonard Malton. He, he was is, one of our customers he is my dream guest <laughs> i'm not a scholar or a theorist there are people who say that there is a difference that watching film with its uh, flicker rate of 24 frames a second and the shutter, uh, the intermittent shutter, does create a different kind of dream state than the rock-solid, steady, uh, uninterrupted digital image that gets projected. I don't know if that's true or not. I know that I've you know, been dreaming at movies my whole life watching them on film. Uh, and I actually showed Christina, <laughs> it's so dumb, I'm getting a little caricature of Leonard Moulton as my next tattoo. You're ca- he was one of our customers. Do you still know him? No, I wish Fuck. we did. I bet you but... could probably find like his email and reach out to him and be like, hey, it's so It was before so email, Christina. Remember P.O. Beck's limit? No, I'm saying you could find him now. I wonder if he'd remember back he then. Might. I mean, I'm sure he okay, his daughter's is, his daughter's pretty vocal on Twitter. They have a podcast. I, when I went to school, I went to West Hollywood Elementary, mm-hmm. and our field trip was to CBS Studios watching a taping of the Dinosaur Show. And we met oh. Dinosaur, Red Skelton, and we were like, I, I still remember this like yesterday where we were like in the first row before the audience came. I mean, that was like a school field trip. <laughs> And he came out and he was doing his little mime and he was entertaining the children. He was so, I still remember him as a sweet man. And he was just so good with the kids. And we met Frank Sinatra Jr. <laughs> <laughs> he 
was a guest on the show too, and Diana Shore. But that was, it was just really cool. And yeah, and that and my family, um, we had that business, and we did a lot of movie conventions. So we traveled all over the country, and we had fil- we did cop- like movie stills, posters. So for for the kids <clears throat> listening at home who don't realize, film prints are incredibly <laughs> fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. And what's even it's not you know like we're nowadays where you can just copy a file or even as you know, looking back, it's like, you know, crash editing a VHS tape oh. was was easy compared to what you guys had to do. What I find truly fascinating about this is, one, this equipment was not cheap. No. And, but it was a solid financial decision. You were making enough to make that worth a purchase to just collectors because not only that like you had to have projectors to be able Mm -hmm. to display this stuff like the only way for the longest time that non-collectors could get a movie before vhs was if they were lucky enough to have essentially those old those old super eight clip shows they used to make Mm -hmm. and because more most people not most but more people had a super eight camera and projector Mm -hmm. and they would you know if you got like godzilla on a a super eight like little thing it would be like essentially the money shots of godzilla oh yeah it was all like the best shots like edited into like 15 20 minutes yeah so like you like there was enough (laughs) demand out there from just purely the collector's market to make that a a, f- a solid financial decision, and that's what I find mostly in- so interesting. Yeah, they were the total reels. I mean, when we would have movies... I'm sorry, I didn't mean... No, 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 I, I just had another thought. Sorry. No, it's because like, what I think is truly more even more fascinating about that is because you I'll said be right it, it was an illegal thing to do. So much yeah. so, I don't know if you've ever read the book uh, A Thousand Tiny Cuts. No. I think that was... I, I might be getting the, the title wrong, but it's about the illegal print trading. Of, of, of film and mm-hmm. then like how like FBI agents would storm people's houses. I was just going to tell you that because we that's what got us out of the business because the FBI was getting too close. And I remember when we lived in L.A. like Roddy McDowell because he, he was a big film buff and he owned a lot of movies and he, he lived got next busted. Door to, he lived next door to Vincent Price, fun fact. Yeah. Oh, I got to tell you another fun fact. Well, fin- finish the, pr- the print thing. And then, well, I- I'm technically the one who distracted you. I mean, that was like you were you were literally uh, you were literally like se- sending a whole film, reel, you know, a couple film reels of the movie. And like when we would have our movie nights, the projector screen would come up and the the projector would come out. We'd watch like the whole movie on the screen in the, in the house. And that's like how it was. You didn't have VCR or um i mean betamax and i remember like when roddy mcdowell got bust it was a big thing when we lived in la i mean this is back in the early 70s and he, the fbi like nabbed because he had all illegal prints of and, and it was mostly of his own mo- the movies that he made and w- what i think is crazy now so that was once a big fucking mm-hmm. offense and there's always that thing that comes up on any movie like mm-hmm. you know you could be charged and whatnot yeah. hell technically that thing says if you show it to friends you mm-hmm. could be arrested. But yet, you know, you go to any horror movie convention, there's people selling bootlegs. Usually, oh. usually they're selling bootlegs of stuff that was only on VHS that never made it off of that. But, like, that's fine. And, you you know, at that time, it was this a big was a fucking big, offense. And it was a big process of duplicating these film prints, too. Because, I guess I'll show you the pictures next time I see you. Like, 
the film processor processor was like maybe from the end of that wall to here and that was like what we used to duplicate the prints <laughs> i mean it was like in our whole that was our whole living room but when you said vincent price i just have to tell when we lived in la he's my, my favorite actor please tell a story you're gonna love this and you're gonna wet your underwear my promise i promise you promise <laughs> my mom because ralph's is a big grocery store chain out there yes uh-huh. I know i've seen ralph's. britney spears shopping there on tmz and she okay so it's <laughs> see she validated ralph's yep. <laughs> and i went there when i went when i went to visit la because i was like that's where britney spears it's goes ralph's. yeah anyway i'm sorry my mom went shopping there and she met vincent price she said she actually saw him and his wife oh god um his wife, what was her name? Um, she was an actress too. Um, she I was in think... Auntie Main Theater of Blood. Uh, I can think of his daughter's I name. It begins with a C. I can't remember her name, but she was really cool. And she, he and his wife were grocery shopping because he was also a gourmet chef. That was his hobby. Mm-hmm. For our entree, I have chosen roast pork. Now, I choose a boneless roast because they are much easier to carve in front of my guests. My favorite is a boneless pork sirloin. For six guests, I would buy a five to six pound roast. The leftovers make superb sandwiches, and I love a good pork sandwich. I rub my roast with two teaspoons of spiced salt and granulated pepper, and I roast it first uncovered in a roasting pan with a lid for 20 minutes at 475 degrees. When the fat is browned, I take the roast from the oven and lift it out of the roasting pan. I take a pound of pitted prunes and two onions peeled and cut into eighths and stir them into the pan drippings with a cup of red wine. Then I set the pork back in the pan on the bed of prunes and onions. I toss in two or three cloves and a bay leaf, and I cover it tightly. The pork should roast 30 minutes per pound of meat, so for our five-pound roast, it would take about two and a half hours. Let me tell you, the smell of this roasting should drive the most complacent family wild with desire. Somehow, the kitchen starts to smell like some wonderful magic is taking place and believe me it is i'm i'm still coral brown coral brown i'm still tracking down a reasonably priced copy of one of his cookbooks they're a bit pricey i know she she was cool i loved her in auntie maine well my mom met him so Mm -hmm. she followed him around and she finally got the courage to ask him for an autograph he was super cool to his fans he was super cool to his fans she said he acted like he's hearing it for the first time and he kissed her hand and he said how wonderful and he talked to my my mom pretty much peed her pants and she said how what a gentleman and how kind he was and nice and so i just have to tell you that it, the, the the rumors and the legend is true he was I, a wonderful I man also love, i wish so i was I, there with her i also love that vincent price was a gourmet chef yeah. but he loved hot dogs like he he's also a very simple man <laughs> that's me <laughs> but like I also I had it's not nearly to that level, but I had a very yeah. small connection to Vincent Price. Mm. Um, so Vincent Price's daughter Victoria, mm-hmm. she still runs his estate, and I think even keeps up with his with his social media accounts. Yeah, we used shit. to pass by his house because my grandma loved him. We'd honk at his horn, and my grandma go, like, "Hey, Vinny!" And 
<laughs> Sorry. <gasps> but um, mm -hmm. I um, I I was doing a contest for this show where I was giving away a copy of of The Fly. <gasps> oh God, the original Love Fly. It. Yeah. And um, okay. actually, it was The Fly. It was a double pack of The Fly and The Fly Returns, or The Return of the Fly, by mistake. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I don't even, I don't, like, it was on Facebook. I don't even think I even tagged, like, him or anything. But his official, like, Facebook page, which I think his daughter runs, found it, mm -hmm. shared it. And it was the most, like, hits I've ever gotten for That's this fucking awesome. show. And it's like, it's like, you know, probably just a very small little thing to them. Just like, oh, this mentions sure. my dad. Let mm -hmm. me hit share. But it was like, it was a big fucking deal. This mm -hmm. was... Uh, this rivals the time that I reached out to Vera Goulet... Um, Robert Goulet's wife mm, mm -hmm. because of how much I'm a huge Robert Goulet fan and I wanted to use one of Robert his songs Goulet. in my in my in one of my film school movies and I reached out to her and she reached out back saying she doesn't have the permission mm -hmm. to do that but she loves that someone my age respects his work and I, I was boring the original Lancelot <laughs> yeah. from Camelot on Broadway yeah Robert Goulet Goulet but Vincent Price, last name to have. I know, I love that. I Goulet. love my, my favorite stories that um, uh, Roddy McDowell tells mm. is that he's he's like he's like the prices were absolutely wonderful people, but I hated going to their house for dinner because he said they were filthy. Oh no! <laughs> he's like the house is just, and oh, he really? makes it sound like it, it's like he, he he one time said he's like he's like if you've seen that movie The Last Man on Earth, that's what his house looked like. <laughs> oh, no. Movie, the last but like, and I was like, I feel like he's over exaggerating because yeah. he's. I've heard he's a clean freak, but sure. I just love this idea that like well, Vincent Price lives him. in squalor. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Well, he collected art. I mean, he was. That's I mean, true. he was such a he was yeah. such a fascinating man because he and he geniuses loved, tend to live in mess. Oh, like, like me, you're at my it's, house right it's now. A it's a Oh my, yeah. I, I know because you're always all got you. things going on all yeah. the time. So do you still have any of these illegal film prints? <laughs> no, I wish I did. Damn. What about, but do your I parents got, maybe have it? No, no. My, because oh, that tits. was my real dad and he's dead. <clears throat> but I Stupid mean, dead. I got to find die. that autograph book because we used to go to all these movie conventions back in the 70s. I mean, Comic-Con. Today is like, but we used to do that every year, and that was like such small potatoes back then. Oh, yeah. But I, I met, okay, you're going to have another, like, dick explosion because... <laughs> I'm met, ready. I met Ray Bradbury and got his autograph. Oh, shit. And Charles H. Schneer, who is the producer of all, like, those fantastic movies like Golden Voyage of Sinbad, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, mm -hmm. and Ray Harryhausen I met. Wow. Because when I was little... See, when, when when I went to these conventions and I was a little kid, I used to just kind of roam around. <laughs> just, I worked the table. I mean, it was, I grew up kind of ahead of my time. Yeah. And I used to miss a lot of school to do these conventions. And then Hell I would yeah. come up to these. But because I was little, they would it's give the me best autographs. Education you ever got. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy, too. It's like Ray you know, Harryhausen, I'm, who is an idol of mine, too. Because I, I'm sure... Uh, you know, you don't have to tell me specifics, but I'm sure those prints that your parents made weren't necessarily cheap because mm -hmm. they're for collectors. But it's like, at one and it was point, all mail order. And I wanted to, like, you know, it, there's still print collectors out there, oh, yeah. and it's it probably hasn't gone down in price at all. It's it's no, that it's probably, it's probably even more expensive. But like, like I I love movie posters. 
And even those are hard to find in a good I condition. Know, like the originals. Yeah. You know, that like... still have the creases from being folded. It's like, you know, to try to find a poster that's not a reprint. Like, I just, I want one truly vintage movie poster. I don't even care what the movie is. One in my bathroom that's the solid gold Cadillac with Judy Holiday. Yeah. And that's got, I mean, it's huge and it's got the creases. The the oldest movie poster I have had, I I have to, I don't, I I don't want to take it because I bought it with a frame and I do not want to take it out of the frame to find, to to do any research Mm -hmm. on it. But the oldest movie poster that I have that's, I believe in my heart of hearts is not a reprint and if it is, it's, was a reprint that was creases. used. It's got the creases. What is a Kira Kurosawa's Dreams? Well, I don't know that one. It you know is the only is the it was I think the first or only it might be in the first uh, American film that Japanese filmmaker Ooh. Kira Kurosawa well, I made. Who he is. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I have it. I have the poster because it's like I couldn't pass it up for like thirty bucks, and mm-hmm. I bought. Um, Restore that place. Mm-hmm. Restore. They oh, yeah. had it just sitting there. I'm like, fuck yeah. The fuck? I paid Some... more for reprints. Something... You look around like, is anyone watching me? Let me fucking grab this. I shit. know eBay. Some. That's how yeah. I got solid gold cap Cadillac because mm. I love Judy Holiday. I'm a mm-hmm. big Judy Holiday fan, and I'm like, oh my god, I got that like for thirty bucks, and it was the original poster. That's like from 1959. When when we, I remember when we used to go to the conventions, and one of the most expensive at that time. I don't. It's probably changed, but one of the most expensive original movie posters was the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So, I mean, at that time, really? I remember it was going for like $20,000. That's fucking insane. Yeah, it's just like That's the original awesome. comic books. Yeah. Like, the comic books, like, they go for well, a lot, too. Those are especially funny, because, like, my dad told me that, like, you know, he's like, you didn't think of, you didn't think of saving that shit when you were a kid. Yeah, you'd absolutely. buy You'd buy the newest issue of Superman, you'd roll it up, put it in your back pocket, yeah. go play kickball, you and when you're done with it, it you, you throw just it in the threw dirt. it somewhere. Yeah. You didn't keep that shit. And then you'd hear all those stories but I mean, back when I was a kid, where they're like, "Oh, rummage sale," they especially because they're on they're on newsprint, so they're even can, weaker than they are yeah, now. I can understand why hoarders keep everything. Oh, sure. you never fucking know if you it's gonna know. gain value. They had stuff like lunch boxes, and yeah. I mean, the, for movies, and I mean, I remember I had the first ten issues of the original Howard the Duck, and that was like Howard big. the yeah, Duck. Yeah, I had I the first issue of Howard, the, Howard the, Duck. the Duck. I I think I, I almost miss that. So. With this show, so like I'm, I, I struggle calling myself a filmmaker because I make films so inconsistently. But what I liked, and I don't really call myself a critic because I feel like that has such, such a negative connotation mm-hmm. behind it. Though I do do that. My how I tend to to describe what I bring to the world of mm-hmm. film is I call myself a film culturist, mm-hmm. where I'm a person that just promotes the love of film culture, and, and I love that, especially because. <laughs> In the world that we you live in, just fell in love. I know everyone <laughs> loves movies, or everyone likes movies. Everyone watches movies, but the idea of film culture is gone. They don't make lobby cards. They don't make lunchbox. No. Well, they yeah. you know they I do mean, if it's like Avengers or some shit. Like they don't really. A lot of it is just kind of like mocking the vintage vibe of it. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, let's like, make even a just lunchbox. The, even just That's the idea. Yeah, that's you said it perfectly. Even just the idea of collecting movies, like just buying DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever, even that is, like people look at me. It's like because I have over fifteen hundred DVDs and Blu-rays. I probably got this. Um, I, yeah, Michelle that's, probably does. That's too. not including my my my, my VHS tapes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, 
I, I, collect, I collect this stuff because one, I like having something of my own. And then two, I'm also a quality nerd. Yeah. You know, streaming doesn't sound as good. It doesn't look as good, especially because I've, I've sunk. And you truly don't own it. Yes. If something happens, you don't right. own it. I but didn't like, even people look at me, it's like, why, it's like why, who buys movies? Like, I do. It's like, well, do you watch all those? It's like, not as much as I want to, but I want to know that I have, I want to have a library. It's like why you buy books. Yeah. Yeah. And books too. We were just talking about that mm-hmm. in the pool the other day. In the pool. When they were like, oh, you know, everything's, um, what is that? When you, on a, on a the Kindle. Kindle. I'm like, yeah. no, I like a book. I want to turn a page. You know, I like a physical book and I, ha- mm. I have, I could match you too with your, mo- you'll have to come over to my, you'll have to bring them over. You'll probably, mm-hmm. I have, you should I hang have on a lot the of movies and my VHS. I cannot get, cause I want to own them. I know my, a lot of my friends are like, ah, you know, they just want it all on the internet. But you know, if you lose that, you lose mm. it. You know, exactly. I want to look at A lot it. of people <laughs> have this mentality that like, I still love oh, I'm saving space. Look, it's all on the cloud. Like. I like to hold it. No. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, the, the, I want to play the, it whenever I want. Exactly. For 90% of people, you know, streaming's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. But, like, but like you said, like, you know, there's people basic, still, I mean, that, that still want to own cool. stuff. But then also, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm a quality nerd. You spent enough time in the theaters to know mm-hmm. that you, you know, the sound quality you get out of TV speakers isn't nothing. So, like, yeah. I've, like, I've sunk money into like tower speakers that are as tall as me because I want to get that reproduction back. I have my television calibrated for color to make sure it matches the way. And you don't get a lot of that when you you don't get that quality when streaming. And it's... That's true. But most people are comfortable watching things on their phones. So it's like, you know, the idea of watching things correctly. Yeah, I know. That's like a step. To those who cannot see, Michelle just cringed and put her her face into her hands. I know, because I can't. Because you need to see it on a big screen. Like, the the idea that someone... around you. Yeah, exactly. Someone could watch Lawrence of Arabia on their phone. It's just... I almost spit up my wine just now. My nose is all wrinkly. I'm also like, like I'm also a nerd for aspect ratios. Like, Ew. if a movie is supposed to be square, I want it to be square. Don't push in so it fits your screen. No. Like, television is the worst offender of that. Yeah, you know, because people. I remember, so I grew up watching Turner Classic movies because of my because I of my love uncle. TCM. And, and I'm a member. And I watched it with my grandma. TCM, you know, because you know, a lot of old movies are square. Because mm-hmm. that was yeah. the aspect ratio they and used. I want to see it the way it was filmed. Me too. Mm-hmm. But when TCM first oh, came out, and they, you know, they're on CRT TVs. Those TVs were square, so mm-hmm. it, it yeah. filled the frame. When uh, HD TVs started coming around, and now they're wide mm-hmm. to match the wide format that most movies are shot in. Now, I there was, I remember following the TCM forms. Because I was like twelve year old fucking following the mm-hmm. TCM forms. Uh, wow. People were complaining. It's like. You know, it was like, oh, I, I, I hate this. This uh, TCM used to fit my screen. Why doesn't it anymore? And they used to, they were playing Turner Classic. We not realizing it's like, this is the way it's supposed to be seen. You yeah. just, you know, your TV's wider. I want to uh, see it how it was You just need to fuck off. I'm just kidding. I have another, I don't know. If, but not really. Or like people who like, oh, I don't like the black bars in the top and bottom of the screen. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be I seen. It's widescreen. Yeah, troglodyte. Yeah. You know, there's another one. This, you're going to get pissed off at this because you might, you guys are oh, this a little. Just, this has just I'm become the old movie little. bitching show. I know. Michelle just called us little. You guys were little at the time. You were little tykes. We are mature. I don't when know. I remember in the 80s, like in the mid 80s, and then 
Ted that's when I was born. Yeah, Ted Turner. The, I wasn't had, born until 90. Oh, what? I was born in 88. Oh, my God. I was born in 66. I'm like your grandma. But <laughs> they No, had, my mom. Were, she's about I that age. You were 22 okay. when I was born. Okay. You're thank younger you. than that's my mother. But in the 80s, they had a thing... And it was it didn't last long because people Tur- bitch. Tur- with, new Turner classics. No, when they were oh. when they were colorizing. That's what I'm talking about. That's, they call them the Turner new Turner classics. Well, oh, that was it. upsetting. So I, know, I still get when upset. that happened. When that when they were doing that, um, Orson like, Welles oh. spoke out against it because he it pissed him off, and he actually. Since he was in poor health, I don't remember when Orson Welles died, but I think it was—I don't know if it was mid '80s or early '90s. Yeah, I, th- I can't remember. It was around that time, and I remember he—it was around the time that this was happening. He actually put it in like, you know, those was his will or like, you know, pretty much these are things that have to be followed after he dies. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Not a—he put it in his like in his dying wishes that." He said, and this was like in writing, not a single frame of Citizen Kane will ever be no. touched. And then he put a couple spaces down. That means you, Ted. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't know that, but that's awesome. I mean, you that do not you, fuck with Citizen Kane. I am sorry. That, and I just watched it it's again. It's coming back to theaters. I've never seen I Citizen know, Kane on a screen. I anniversary. We should, all, we should all go. It's going to be in Lake I, Geneva. I you really... It's going to be in Lake Geneva. Let's go. Let's do a like, pilgrimage to that. Let's go. I love, to see, I love that Especially because he's from Wisconsin. We have to see Citizen Kane Shameless on the Shameless Picture Show and Spread Eagle. Goes to the movies. Yeah, I'll I'm have down. my I'll have my my beautiful and talented Ooh. wife make us a, a a nice little banner. She'll come with us and take our pictures. It'll be great. I would we'll love to like, do that. Oh no, you we'll know, flip off the. Yeah. I remember when we when we when I was younger and um, the Oriental. But the Oriental used to be cool. where they just yeah they used to be cool because they used to <laughs> cool. show yeah because they used to show used to just cool. old movies they used to show Casablanca all Casablanca the oh god Casablanca I just watched it again I, I never get sick of Casablanca I have that that's my poster in my office never seen it you don't like it no I do I actually oh. I've not seen it since middle school. <gasps> So I need to rewatch we it. We should all watch it together it and record a show. That is one of my all-time I love the drunker favorites. that Christina gets, the more she leans into the microphone. It's like, you know, another... Okay, going into Casablanca, another thing, because I watched like on TCM when they had about um, Conrad Veidt, who is the Nazi in there. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> one of the greatest yeah. like act, like character actors. He was from Cabinet of, uh, Dr. Caligari. Yeah, I'm sorry, I know. I know. Alcohol is making me. You're mansplaining <laughs> cabinet Dr. Caligari to me. We can quickly tell who's drinking and who's not. I know. I'm uh, sorry. I have ginger Michelle beer. And I are drinking sugar-free and, ginger and beer. Michael's got the ginger beer. I get excited because I'm in my element here. Yes. But you know. Conrad Veidt, you know, he always they always put him in Nazi roles later. I mean, he died <laughs> He's a year. German. <laughs> he died a year after Casablanca. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he like left Germany and he went to England and they like they took him in because that's when Hitler was taking over, and he put like like a percentage of his income to to their fund because he hate I and mean, he got stuck playing Nazis, but he was always giving back and he was so anti Hitler and the the Nazi regime because he escaped that mm-hmm. and yet i mean he he was someone that gave back a it's lot it's a cruel irony that that's the roles he got but at the same time i know 
when you're an actor, you, unfortunately, you got to go with the money. Is but you know, he, he never t- he always went with it, and, mm-hmm. and and his is like the classic. I mean, my God, Humphrey Bogart shoots him at the end of Casablanca. Spoiler. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen Casablanca by now, I'm sorry, uh, Christina. Close your ear. It's I, okay. I never get fine. sick of Casablanca. I oh my god, that if I have to name two things that make bring tears to my eyes right away, we should do a shameless picture show episode where we watch Casablanca. Oh my god, I would love that. When Ingrid Bergman comes up to Dooley Wilson and says, "Play it, Sam." I I do literally cry when he sings that, and when Judy Garland sings. Over the rainbow and because it always, oh my god, that always just makes me cry every time. I love those Aww. both of them. So I mean, I, mean, I really do. I'm not just saying that it. it's yeah. not. Us. I, it brings you. In, and, and yeah, speaking so, of somewhere over the rainbow, I you chug your wine. love <laughs> and I have I have shed a tear over Vincent Price singing somewhere over the rainbow. <gasps> I have in, the, Let's abom- to it right the, now. the abominable Dr. Fibes 2. Oh, that's right. I take it back. He does sing it at the end. Yep. As and what oh I love about God. what I love about that movie is it's one of the few times it's a monster movie. Monster. I'm using yeah. air quotes where the monster wins. Um, Because Dr. F- Dr. Amanda, Fibes. it means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. Because <laughs> no, Dr. Fives. Oh my God, I love that. I know. I, I, Christina, I really was have you seen? Done. Have you seen Dr. Fives? The bomber no. Dr. Fives? What the I've fuck? Had a, I've had a very. Okay, one thing that I'll say is that I've had a very deprived life up until now. So. Okay. I I'm, haven't seen a lot. I'm Dr. going to bring Fibes a copy rules. of the abominable Dr. Fives to work tomorrow. And you're going to watch it. And two. BTW, we work together. Well, two. I need to wait for her to watch one because two I only have in a Vincent Price Blu-ray box set. And I want to, I don't want to give that a whole thing away right right off the bat. Oh my God. I love that. I mean, I I love that movie. See, they don't make them. I'm saying this all the time. They do not make them the way they used to. The early 70s was the best for horror movies. Mm -hmm. Like, the Dr. Fives, Dr. Fives 2, Theater of Blood, the original the- um, Tales from the Crypt, and mm-hmm. all the Brit- Ooh, that I like. All the British movies, because I have the whole, I have all of them. Like with, the with- Hammer Box sets. Yes. Oh my God. Hammer, Hammer Rules. Christopher Lee, a crush of mine. The, I've been in the love one with of my, Christopher One of my Lee. favorites, The Vampire I Lovers. I feel so uncultured yes. right now. Oh my God. Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate. I know. That's oh, how I, that's no, no, Vampire, Vampire. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The fearless you were thinking of fearless vampire yes. hunters. I'm like Rosemary's I, Baby. That's, that's the only thing I'm I know. Excited. The Vampire Lovers was a Hammer film. <laughs> yes, with, yes. About, you know where they were actually able to. They, pretty much, they equated vampirism to lesbianism. Yes. Which was a pretty progressive like film. It was a pretty progressive film at the time. No, I sh- you're right. I'm sorry. See, when I get excited and I had alcohol in me, I get <laughs> the, they all blend, they mesh together in my brain. But I do, I know the Vampire Lovers and the fearless vampire killers. My mom to this day is always shocked that so when I was young when you were younger, unless you grew like sometimes like I was born in nineteen ninety. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching Power Rangers and shit like that when oh, I was a yeah, kid. So, so when my parents, like my parents would watch Westerns or old movies, I had no interest. You know, I just, some of them connected with me for the most part. I really had no interest. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I started getting older, like early teens, even before that, maybe that it started clicking with me. Um, like to this day, I'll be like, you know, I'll talk about Fearless Vampire Hunters because it's a movie mm-hmm. that she showed me. And she's always like, I can't believe you like this movie. Or like, you know, like, I can't believe you're watching Westerns. It's like, yeah, mom, tastes change. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, get with the program, you, woman. I like all of them. I mean, every, yeah. it's the whole range of, I like everything. Like, it, yeah. there's there's movies I definitely don't like, but I, there's not like, I'm a pretty liberal critic. Like, even where like, it's very rare that I hate something. Like, because mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm very much like, man, fuck, this movie t- was probably a bitch to make. You get, a, you get a certain base level just for having made a movie. Well, just like going back <laughs> to King Kong. I mean, King Kong, when you think of not just how they reacted to it, but like the special Willis O'Brien who did the special mm-hmm. effects. I mean, yeah. I mean that was like major. You told me about that, so I, I'm going to understand this part. But that was like major back then. You didn't see special effects like yeah. that. And and I could see how like in 1933 where people were like shit in their pants because, I mean, it still holds up so well today. And I could see Peter Jackson. That's his favorite yeah. movie. Hmm. And he actually, his remake actually was pretty fucking good. I love the remake. Um, I, I pretty much like any version of King Kong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still like the Jessica Lange one. But as, I do too. as cheesy as it is, I still love one it. One of my favorite lines from King Kong, because it's unintentionally funny as fuck. Which one? Is um, when they're on the steamer and they and you see Skull Island in the distance. And they have this very iconic line. There's something on that island no white man's ever seen before. And I just imagine all all the brothers are under uh, like being like, mm-hmm. you guys see that monkey? <laughs> it's the most unintentionally funny line in that movie. There's something on that island no white man's ever I'm seen dead. before. And it's like that feels like a spoof line. <laughs> We're snorting over here. I know. Oh, shit. God, I know. I gotta know some more about this shit. When you watch some of these, I'm sorry. When you watch some of the old movies and that, and the references, it's like they don't always hold. Know. Like a movie that I still have a fondness for, but every time I watch it, gets more and more cringe. We're we're skipping back. We're skipping more a couple of generations more contemporary from King Kong. But like I watch 16 Candles now, I'm like, my God, this film is rapey. <gasps> yeah, like I still have a fondness for it. There's some really iconic yeah. scenes in that movie, but it's like. It's like, oh my God, this was acceptable in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. But the, I know. I but remember seeing it. I was in high school. We're like, ah, you but you know, well, like, at the so, time, you're not thinking. You, tr- it's hard because sometimes you have to. I, this is why I think context is such a big deal. Like last year when HBO Max came out, everyone was freaking the fuck out because HBO pulled Gone with the Wind, and they weren't pulling it forever. They were saying we're pulling it until we can add some additional context to this film. And people are freaking out and buying up all the copies of Gone with the Wind because mm-hmm. uh, the Republicans are trying to own the Dems oh, and all that shit. And they're like, oh, people are canceling movies. And that's never what happened. They put the movie back up a couple weeks later, but they recorded the new introduction with the film, mm-hmm. putting it into context for people. Pretty much what Turner Classic Movies has been doing their entire career. Yeah. And Dream were explaining, hey, this shit wasn't cool then, but here's why this movie is still important for people it's- to see and i think every film should have contextual information behind it because a lot of times you watch a movie and yes you're going to see things that are not 
cool viewed from a prism of a 2021 lens mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily think that's the that's you know like people being overly offended i just think that you know younger people seeing older movies they don't know that that's just the way shit was back then and that's also not excusing it but i do think there should be someone being like hey we know this isn't cool ignore that and here's why this film is important like a film that i struggle with um uh clint eastwood's first directorial day uh, first film he directed uh, uh um this is important yeah. Okay, so a High Plains Drifter, there's, you know, there's a very, it's, it's not even overly graphic, but there's a, a rape scene in that film where Clint Eastwood rapes the lead female of the film. In the barn, I and remember it's that. a very hard scene for me to, and I, 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 and I won't lie, I struggled with the film because of that, and, but... It was one of those things I kind of had to view it as like not necessarily that was never okay, but I had to view it in the context of why that why was necessarily was in the film. To her. So it's like you know it's it's very easy to just go like have your gut reaction to be like ah this pisses me off, mm-hmm. but I don't know what point I'm trying to make. You here. have to see the story to see when it and I don't, don't want to be a spoiler alert. But it explains at the end why he feels that way and why he's getting back at the town and mm-hmm. and why she was involved and not that that's making that right you know and not, it's, a, it's essentially a horror movie oh yeah I love that movie you know but I didn't like it the first first time I saw it wow that's a hell of an echo huh I don't know, whatever um. I didn't necessarily like it the first time I saw it, but the more I've seen it, the more it connects with me. But you know, at the time, like when I saw them, like I just mm-hmm. watched it again, Revenge of the Nerds. I love Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds. Did you ever see that? Oh, I'm of sure course. you did. But when I remember reading about it and then they talked about it, like it wasn't cool. Cause remember at the end when he's, when he finally seduces Betty that he mm-hmm. likes and it's because he's got the mask on and they're like, well, that was basically like date rape. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, but I, I look at it like, eh, I can't analyze every single movie back then. That was different. Yeah. It was, it, it, here's the thing. I would say you have to acknowledge that it was a problem. Yeah. If you yeah. watch a movie and be like, Oh fuck. That's not good. I mean, yeah. But it like, wasn't good, you, but... you just, as long as you're not ignoring it. Yeah, you acknowledge it. And like Animal House, but, you know, I mean, Animal House is another one. I love Animal House. It's one of my all time, it's another all time favorite, but they bring up a lot of things like now, like what, you know, that, that aren't cool, that weren't cool then, you know, like when they go to the, when they go to the bar and, like when they go on the road trip. <laughs> so I guess so. You obviously like a lot of old movies. I do too. I do. Do you and do you do you keep up with anything contemporary, anything new? Do you oh, still yeah. see movies? Oh, I see. I, I I'm I'm totally relevant because I see like all the new stuff too. I, I, I'm I feel, like all about I, movies. I feel like there's a terrible trend in people who love movies. Not all people, but there's so many people like. It's like they, they turn off any interest. They pick essentially pick a date and like, I'm not going to enjoy anything after this date. And nothing wrong. Not everything that comes out is good. 
I check out everything. But like, I still there's still a lot of worthwhile shit coming out. Oh yeah, and there's still great. Mo- Next week, my mom and I are going to see Aretha, which I am so excited about. Me and Amanda, my wife, want to go see it at the Downer because I want to see it in the theater. That I want to see in the theater too because I love Jennifer Hudson. <gasps> we should go together. I, we should. I, well, come with us. Okay. Because we're going to go next week. With your mom? Yeah, come okay. with me. Come with it. Yeah. Because I feel like. Does your mom still have that Vincent Price autograph? And how do I con it off? She might have it somewhere. She'll never. There's no way she will ever. Can she leave it to me in her will? (laughs) She never met me, but. She'll leave it to you. I got another thing that you'll get your dick wet about. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Because we were always. talk. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. It's only talk. But. Oh my God. We're all such. I've always been such big. A big fan of the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. When we lived in L.A., my dad, my real dad, who was a piece of shit, but he did some... My movie love came from him, a lot from him. But he wrote a letter to Mo Howard, and Mo Howard wrote a letter back to us. And really? I still have that letter. And it says to the Beck family, and the letter had... Ooh, <laughs> and the letter had said from the desk of... I, I'm picturing it right now. From the desk of Mo Howard, and it shows like a little table lamp with the bowl haircut. Oh, no. And it was like, to the Beck family, thank you so much. And he wrote a long letter thanking us for loving, because we always love the Three Stooges. I mean, the Three Stooges. When I was in film school, I made a I made, I made a short horror movie dedicated to my love of of, of, of movies. And, like, mm-hmm. and I was pulling from the weirdest places. Like, when I pitched the idea to my teachers... They were like looking at me confused because like I'm pulling references from multiple places. I was like, mm-hmm. it's like I want it to be like if Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer starred Vincent Price. Whoa. And they're like, what the fuck is that gonna be like? <laughs> nice. Or and then like I, you like, know, they it, can't fucking visualize it. Get the fuck out of here. Well, I don't think they'd see Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which, Maybe they shouldn't be fucking filmed. Um, All those like movie of the weeks, Portrait of an Alcoholic. Fucking a. Um, but th- but then I was if also I've like, seen it, you should have. It was like my, I also had an obsession with public access horror hosts Mm -hmm. and old movie theaters Mm -hmm. so i made this movie that combined all these things and like i even like have a scene where he goes to the theater to see a three stooges marathon and he's you know watching the three stooges before he commits a murder and all these crazy things all put together and it's like, I was trying to, like, how can I take something, you know, based in this world of all these weird niche shit that I love? Because it's like, it's like, this is going to be a tough sell because it's like, not many people know who our horror host is, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's going to be hard enough as it is. And then like this, this, this weird juxtaposition that I'm trying to create. But I was like, I want to create something that feels modern. That's just seeped in all things old movies. And I feel like you'd appreciate it. I can be with that because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm old and I know all the old, old shit. Yeah, but I had to, speaking of three students, I had to use the old episodes of Shemp because they were in the public domain. Shemp, and he was Shemp. the original before yep. Curly. Yep. And, so I had oh. to use I had to use the Shemp episodes because I couldn't show anything with Curly because rights issues. 
Did you ever read their like the biography about the the three Stooges or no. the Stooges? I mean, it it was just so tragic because they went through so much. Harry Cohn really fucked them over with, with their royalties and how when like was it was it Curly or when when they were in the cab and he just had the heart attack and died and they his all, head laid in all his these comedians had like depressing like afterlives like yeah. like Laurel and Hardy. Hal Roach <gasps> fucked them over too. Yeah, he did. And um. You know, or, um, you know, Buster Keaton was, he was, he, oh. he was. Buster he, Keaton. He could barely get hired at the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he was, I believe Orson Welles talked about like how he was like washing dishes somewhere. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. And it's my, my great pleasure to introduce this evening in this series of great silent films, one of the great films of all time, one of my favorites, The General, by and with Buster Keaton. He was, as we're now beginning to realize, the greatest of all the clowns in the history of the cinema. For too many years, he was under the shadow of Chaplin, of course, and for too many of his last years, he had a very bad time of it. Those are the years in which I knew him. We used to work in the old stage door canteen. I was doing magic tricks for the troops, and Keaton was washing dishes. He was a lovely person, the supreme artist, and I think one of the most beautiful people that was ever photographed. Yeah, he was like so, and not until the sixties, like when it was like what a uh, funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and there were a couple like mm-hmm. like something the ghost in the bikini. I mean, he was like in a couple of those movies, but that span from that until, I mean, he was like, and he was one of the greats of or, the or, silent or era. Groucho Marx. <gasps> the end of his life was so depressing. Actually. um, I really wish this would have happened. Rob Zombie wanted to make a movie about his last year being alive. Rob Zombie. I didn't know that, but Rob Zombie is one of the loves of my life because he loves movies (laughs) too. And I always feel like. And he always casts his wife in the movies, and I want to do that. He, I always felt like if we all sat together with Rob Zombie, we'd have a really fun movie trivia. If you're out there and then he make you. us a victim in one of his movies well, and I would I'd love like, that I would love that yeah, like, I, I, re- I, I, I make you a victim make me whatever you want I really awesome. I really wish that I movie would have I really wish that movie would have happened that was I mean well Captain Spaulding mm-hmm. I mean I, I remember the first time I saw that I laughed my ass off and then Rob Zombie who was already high up in my list, went 10 notches up I, I feel, because he referenced Captain Spaulding, who like I, knows I, Captain I feel Spaulding. like I spend more energy than I should defending his movies. No, I, I, you, I love Rob Zombie. I am all about Rob Zombie, and I, I, get, I get him. I love his so music. So I, I assume that you're excited for him directing The Munsters? No, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, oh, my I God. Heard of, I, I actually heard something that you haven't. Yes. You didn't tell me. I'm sorry. I have to share I've more. I'm in my work bubble, and I'm, like, out of touch with a lot of things. That's me, too. Oh, that's in my awesome. life bubble. Yeah. See, and he, because he has respect for movies. That's uh-huh. why I love him, because he totally respects it. It's not just that he's doing it to do it. He 
he loves. You can what? tell by his all, all his movie references. That's, that's what he wanted to do first. He wanted to make movies, and he's like, well, I this love is every single movie he did. He's, I do too, and I have them all. You know, too. Uh, I don't think they're all masterpieces, but I find something I like. And I love all. every single. Um, but like, I, I like all his movies. I actually think Lords of Salem was the best movie he's ever made. I like that one. Um, and I like the last one, too, and I'm sorry, my mind, because of um, that. The Three called. from Hell? Yes! That, I actually haven't seen it yet, because I, I, wa- awesome. I wanted to rewatch. I have it. You can borrow it. I, I have it, too. Uh, I wanted to rewatch House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's mm-hmm. Rejects before I watch it. But, um, no, he, he wanted to make movies, and he's like, well, fuck, this is hard. I might as well just make music. It's like, oh, you chose one incredibly difficult career and went to a different one. But he's awesome in all of it. I love him. Mm-hmm. And he can't do wrong in my book because he he he, he has the passion for film, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. Because like I, I feel like, so my, my thing usually when I'm watching a movie is, one, I guess I'm a pretty liberal c- critic where I'm like, usually my opinion is like, if there was at least one good scene, it wasn't a complete waste mm-hmm. of my time. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Sometimes I, one good scene will make yeah. a bad movie good for me. I also truly think that, like, I've, no one's trying to make a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Well, there are filmmakers trying to make bad movies, but they shouldn't be making movies. Mm-hmm. But, like, people talk about, like, how much like how much of a bad filmmaker Ed Wood was. But Ed Wood had so much fucking passion. And I feel it. like he was, he, Ed Wood was close to making a good movie. If he would have actually had a little bit of money and had some time, if he was I feel given like he the had finance, he would have. I feel like he, he had did it in the him. best what he with what he had. I, and I feel like most like I feel like I feel like most filmmakers have a good movie somewhere in them. They just don't know mm-hmm. how to put it out there. I, I truly believe that every filmmaker has a good movie in them. It just oh, wow. are they a good enough filmmaker to get what's in their head out? I think that's my problem. I think all these things, it's getting it, making it happen or putting it on paper, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a problem with a lot of people. Like you, you, you have it in your head. It's conveying it to paper or to the people to make a movie, make a good movie. Yeah. It's like, what's that old quote? Um, I think it was one of the master like um, sculptors. It's like, you look at the, you look at the block of marble and just remove everything that's not what you see. And I was like, well, that's easier said than done. Like, <laughs> oh, but that's true, though. All right, I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I know, And I know this is hard because for a true movie buff, it's hard to choose, like, if you have to put in a list your favorites because I love so many movies for so many okay. different reasons. I think I know where you're going with this. Where are your, just off the top of your head, what are your top ten favorite movies? Ten is gonna to be tough, but I can give you the top. I know it's hard for four. me to. But I'm just curious. Um, I can give you the top four pretty easily. Okay. Uh, in no particular order. Yeah. John Carpenter's Halloween. Ooh. Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Yes. Brian. I was just of that. Brian De Palma's Blowout. Blowout. Um. Uh, Michael Lehman's Heather's. <gasps> Nicholas Winding Refn's Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive. That's a movie I know. Drive is awesome. Um. So I got five. Like, like ten. Ten is like it's it's. If I had some time to like, put it down, top of, top, top top of my head, head, she asked me for my top ten favorite movies. Oh no! Uh, I'm curious. I would also probably um, James Will's Frankenstein. Uh, um, I would put also on there. Um, 
I cannot think of the director right now, but the Abominable Dr. Fibes. Mm -hmm. I would also put Buster Keaton Sherlock Jr. Oh, I, I just watched that not too long ago. I feel okay. like I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm going to miss out on on oh, some. I'm sure. sure. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, John G. Avildsen's Rocky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky. Oh, Rocky is so good. I think. I honestly think if Rocky wouldn't have had any sequels, it'd be considered one of the greatest movies of all time. I think people forget. I love. I, I, I keep love, thinking of the original. What's that? Oh, diet ginger beer. I love the sequels, but I think they hurt the original film. Mm -hmm. And oh, then oh. I would probably also have to. This is going to be cheating, but I. No. Well, I'm going to change Frankenstein for the Bride of Frankenstein because <gasps> I think the Bride of Frankenstein bride is the bride. best of the two films. Yeah. Um. I love the Bride, Frankenstein. Let's see, what would edge in as my number 10? Hmm. I feel like I'm, I feel like me and my co-host Nick have done an episode about like our favorite movies and I'm struggling to think of any of them right now. Um, I feel like I need to have a, I feel like I need to get another contemporary film in there just to even things out. Oh sure. Um, so I will put a I think one of the best most on i think one of the best Ooh, thank you. horror sure. films to come out in the last like 10 years it follows oh that's a good one oh, i actually God, know I about that one. that one that's good that's fun that's and I, me list. I mentioned it because people people don't talk about it no and then another one that i truly love um it's a very diy indie film called the battery it's, I it's, don't know that one. It, it came out of the time where I was so fatigued by zombie films, I never thought I'd want to see another one until I saw this. And I was like, this is probably one of the best zombie films ever made. Because it was made for like two grand. They shot it on a DSLR, and it's just the best character piece I've ever seen. Hmm. I have to check that. I don't, I don't know that one. And it's called The Battery? The Battery. Hmm. We should watch that together on uh, Spread Eagle. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm always down there. I'm going to have to listen back to this. Show. Well, I'm going to edit the show anyways. And I'm going to have to actually make a list for Christina of all the things that she wants to watch. Because yeah, I'm going to quiz please. you tomorrow to see if you remember them. <laughs> tomorrow, I probably won't. But please do quiz me tomorrow. The Bride of Frankenstein is one of the best. Never I seen love it. that. Very good movie. But, you Very know, well done. So, it's mm. good because I feel like I can admit you know, to the one things of my that favorites I haven't is, seen. And I'm curious if you know it. I'm sorry. I'll wait. I'll wait. No, I was going to say, it's, you know, I think a big part of being a, a movie buff, too, is admitting when you haven't seen things. Oh, yeah. Um, like, we all haven't seen. There's a lot I haven't I, seen up yet. Until, up until last year, I had never seen Creature from the Black Lagoon. <gasps> and I was, make. And I well, was. I've seen that because that's Bob's favorite. And I was, like, just blown away by, like, because I got how good it was i didn't expect it to be a bad awesome. movie but i was like holy shit this is this holds up so well it does and that's where like, i will uh, say i've seen water. this because oh, sorry, your no boobs. it's sorry. okay that's a fine you can tap my boobs <laughs> all you want shape of water comes from it is and i, do I will love... say i have seen creature from the black black lagoon because that's what bob but this is one of Bob's favorite movies, and Bob is my boyfriend. That's a great. I saw that on Christmas in L.A. when I was a kid, Aww. in the old time 3D movie, and that was I, like so. I awesome. remember my mom telling me a story about when she was a little girl, 
and Creature from the Black Lagoon is coming on TV. And for those kids, I keep saying kids, but like I feel like I, I, I feel I feel like I'm, I usually explain shit to people who, my age or younger. For the kids at home listening, when a movie came on TV, that was your chance to see it. Ooh. Wizard of Oz came on once a year, and if you missed it, you fucking had to wait for it. Yep. Um, you know, Gone with the Wind was a two night fucking ordeal. When mom told me the story about when Creature from the Black Lagoon was coming on TV and they were showing it in 3D and she had to go down to the local Walgreens to buy the 3D glasses yes. so she could watch ah, it. That was so cool. yes. Her glasses with the like the red, white, the red, and the, and red the blue. And the yeah. And they're like really cheaply made. Yes. You know, I've said, I, I say this all yes. the time, even okay. though I'm guilty because I own so much okay. of with movies and my shows. Like, even like the Christmas of Santa Claus is coming to town, but it's not—it's not the same because when you own it, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was a big deal when it came on because you made sure to get your homework done, and you're like, it, you looked forward to that one you night could, a year. You couldn't, it was mi- on. you couldn't it was miss. Special. You couldn't meet Miss Peanuts or whatever. Yeah. And actually, I remember one of my cherished items, and I still have it. My mother made for me and my brother a. VHS tapes of all the Christmas specials and it was over the span of a couple years that she did it and she did it hardcore where she would stop the recording at (laughs) commercials but every so often a commercial comes on a commercial comes on and it just brings me back Uh, like you know the little kid eating the Campbell's soup and then Mm -hmm. the snowman melts into a child I'll never forget that the razor guy where he's like yep. the snowman but i remember oh, i'm so, so jealous of your guys nice there moms. there was things on this like so there, there's you know there's the big ones you know santa I'm claus is coming to town rudolph mm-hmm. the ones that you'd expect but then there was also like the smurfs christmas special and mr magoo's christmas Carol, that was on there all all time best ever but favorite. i remember it was so exciting for me because it ended and my mom hated this but she knew me my brother liked it it ended with the christmas special for peewee's playhouse Mm. and i and i still have that tape i put it on every year even (laughs) though i have all these on cleaned up dvd or blu-ray and they look nice but i put it on every year i hook you know i hook up my vcr to a terribly expensive tv and i put it on the background when we're decorating and the sound is wobbly but i have such nostalgia for i call it like tapes yeah when you had to tape them off a tv mainly because i love the shit that would wind up next to each other i remember so there was the live action there was the stage performance of peter pan that came on television. I can't remember. Mary the... Martin. Yep. And they had Sandy Duncan do it. I think it was the Sandy Duncan one. And yeah, I remember a lot of shit. I had that on a tape, but be, but to get to it, you had to fast forward through Terminator. <laughs> spit on and I remember <laughs> I was telling my teacher that I was like, oh, I have this live performance of Peter Pan. And she's like, well, you should bring that in for us to 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 watch. And I was, was like, it okay. Sherman? It might have been. It might have been. No, it wasn't Miss Sherman. Oh, who, man. Who taught second grade? I had Miss Joy. Uh, I we th- went to the same elementary school. I think it might have been Miss cool. Joy. Uh, and I... No, no. It wasn't Miss Joy. It was the other woman who was like next to her class. Oh, it was Miss Joy. Hennessy? And Mrs. Hennessy. Ooh, yes! And I remember yeah. I brought it in and we we're going to put it on. 
And then I was like, and not even thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I should tell you, it's the second movie on here, Terminator's first. And she goes, what? She's probably like, fuck And, yeah, and I was, I was like, what, is, is, is the movie queued up? And I was like, no. No. You got to fast forward a bit. And so, like, <laughs> she was trying to fast forward it. And so, like, the kids mm-hmm. didn't see. And she stopped, like, right as the, 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 the hydraulic press is crushing Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. And I that was shown in the class. No. I still have. Oh, shit. What are you I'm like, oh, I'll let you, because I'm excited. And it's okay. Over. Don't worry about it. Because I still have tapes like that, too, that I taped off TV. <laughs> and, the, and the tapes have, like, two or three movies on. And you, you combined it. Yeah. You, you, you edited out the My dad made me some VHSs like that. It was yeah. like I Karate get Kid rid of and Nightmare Before Christmas together. <laughs> yeah. I get it. So you have Terminator being crushed and then Christmas. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I, I also love, like, um, I, so when I, when I used to work at Best Buy, people would bring in VCRs and VHS tapes for us to recycle. Okay. And I loved going through them. And um, because, like, I just love seeing the type of shit that people taped off television. Mm-hmm. And I I just love that there was this... this uh, it was uh, one tape that had really nice, delicate writing on it that said "Ken Burns Civil War," and it was oh, no. it was crazily crossed out. And next to it was Wayne's World, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Decisions were made." <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I get carried away. I'm sorry, I get no, carried away. No, I do too. too like movies. that's on. Like <laughs> that's one thing I liked about doing this show because, like, the whole reason I started this show is I. I guess I don't want to say was like I, I'm a filmmaker. I went to film school, and I used to. You when you're in hey, film, okay, you're making a music video for the Directionals, and you're gonna help us make our show. That's fair. So you're yeah. definitely a fucking filmmaker. Yes. Don't even don't downplay yourself. Well, thank okay? you. Okay, well, so and I'm, I'm the shit one that can bring our vision shit. to the screen. He hasn't even read our I script said, yet. I, I said haven't had time. Hasn't like, read it yet. I haven't had the time. Based shut up. on knowing, don't tell me to shut up. Shut up! He's Tell you one. to shut up. He is the he is the chosen one. It, I'm, I'm so excited that like I'm so excited that you two got the chance to meet, and I'm like I feel like this is going to be a beautiful thing. That's like well, Christina's hanging Lando. out with my wife on Saturday, so I'll read it I then. Am. Ah, okay, good. Um, but we're going to the farmers market, and we're going to we're going plant shopping. Ooh, that sounds like yeah. You want to come? Oh wait, you're working. I was saying you could come with us, but you're working. This show started because I'm a filmmaker, and when you're in school, you watch movies to inspire yourself. And when you get into the mindset of watching things for inspiration, mm-hmm. well, you can still definitely enjoy movies. It's hard to go like there was a period of time where it was like a almost eight year period where I didn't make anything, and you almost like well. Why am I watching movies? Yes, I enjoy them, but mm-hmm. like it's almost it feels like, like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, you know, at the time I didn't know if I was going to make another movie or what I was going to do, but I was like, I need to find my love for this again. So I started doing this podcast as an excuse to watch shit for a purpose, for a mm-hmm. reason. And, you know, and then that was the way I was able to start crossing stuff that I haven't seen. Like, I never saw The Godfather until I did the show. And it's not. For, and it's not for. And it's not. No, I've for, never seen many things, Michelle. And it's not for any other reason. We got homework. It was one of those things. It's like I never thought I was going to dislike it. I was like, it's the Godfather. I'm sure it's going to be great. But it was like I, I almost made this choice when I was in 
college because I went to an art school. Like we were watching all this experimental and art house cinema. Mm -hmm. And then I also loved like exploitation, low budget films. Mm -hmm. So like I was, I was I like, okay, I could go watch The Godfather or I could watch all the movies that were inspired by it. Or like I didn't see Taxi Driver to the show or The Exorcist. But okay. I had seen big, important films. Oh, sure. I just like. I've seen The Exorcist, by the way. I knew I would like these films. It was just like they just weren't at the top of my list. And I just liked that because of this show, I had a reason to see these. Or like one that I never thought I was going to like. I never thought I was going to like Apocalypse Now because I don't mm. like most war films. Oh, I like that one. Apocalypse. I don't. I've seen that one. Oh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Like, new. I don't yeah. like most war films because I just think they're dumb American propaganda. There's some I like, but there for the most a part. a TV show in the, in the 50s. Um... Boris Karloff played the Marlon Brando role. Oh, Heart Seriously. of Darkness? Heart of Darkness. I'm oh. sorry because my mind's getting cloudy. He played that on this like made-for-TV. It was like on a Playhouse special. Yeah. It was Heart of Darkness and Mar and he was Marlon Brando's role. Sorry, I had to say no, that No, no. But like, I didn't think I was going to like Brando. it, but then I saw it and I was like, holy shit. Here is Francis Ford Coppola who just made essentially... I don't remember how much that movie was made for, but like a $2 million yeah. art Way film. And it's like, I, I, whenever I think about that movie, I think about a quote that my friend Kyle said, who's been on the show a couple mm -hmm. times, where he said, Apocalypse Now may not be my favorite movie ever made, but, he's like, but I truly think it's in the running for being the greatest film ever made. Oh, yeah. And, and his wife, um, what is it, Eleanor? Yeah, Eleanor? something like that. She made a documentary. Of, they, they recently came out, like, it was called The Heart of Darkness. Yeah, it's about, phenomenal. It was a documentary about, yeah, it's very good. It's, it's almost as good as the movie because yeah. it's like how the, the behind the scenes. And like, I just like, you watch interviews of Coppola at the time, and he was like, ripped on cocaine which is especially funny mm -hmm. but like he was like man people aren't gonna get this movie like we're gonna make the studio build a theater in the center of the united states and it's gonna show apocalypse now and that's all it's gonna show and that's gonna be the only place you can see it and it's like oh god martin sheen like hated him because he he like kind of like blamed him for his heart attack on because he had the heart attack while, while making apocalypse now and he blamed martin sheen i mean i mean um um you know <laughs> um coppola yeah for that because because of the well you know most of the greatest filmmakers put their actors through hell like kubrick like um, I was going to say, like, the Hitchcock. lady from The Shining. Mal Malcolm McDowell, like, hated him because he said his cornea got scratched when they making yep. uh, Clockwork Orange because he did I over and over. I wouldn't fucking care when they, when they did the... Yes! When oh. they... Pulled his eyeball mm -hmm. back while he was watching the crime. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's it's almost crazy. To As an actor, I wouldn't even fucking care. I'd be like, do whatever the fuck I you know. want to me. But it's like he he said his cornea, and so it it was hard for him. And oh, it's, it's 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 it's, yeah. it's interesting to listen to him talk about that movie because yeah. it's like he he cites it as being like, and he he says it's. So he grew to hate Kubrick at that time sure. for that. But, but he said throughout the, the throughout the entire making of the film. Mm -hmm. He's like, I loved Cooper. He's my best friend. He's like, every day we mm -hmm. would play ping pong with each other. And, yeah, he, he, he you know, during breaks, we'd hang out and all this stuff. And then he's like, after the movie finished, he never talked to me again. And it's like, mm -hmm. you could hear that he's heartbroken. 
You know, it's weird how when they work together, there's a love-hate relationship, and then how later, it, even bringing up Eddie Murphy and John Landis, like there was a period where Eddie Murphy hated John Landis. They they clashed. But then... John Landis didn't like that it was Eddie Murphy's movie and he was calling the shots. Oh, yeah. And and then now when they made Coming America 2, I haven't seen that yet. But watching Eddie Murphy when he's promoting it and he's like, John Landis, because they work together on trading places. And and now, I mean, it's like how water under the bridge, like Mm -hmm. now it's it's different when he brings it up. You know, it's weird. Like time, you know, time heals stuff. And, you know, um, or like... uh, who was the lead actress in The Birds? And where? The, the Birds. Birds. Oh, uh, Tippi Hedren. Tippi oh, Hedren. Yeah. Like, oh, she's been all over the place of her opinions on Hitchcock. Well, he put her through hell. Yeah. And he was obsessed with her. Oh, yeah. Yes, do it. But it's such a classic. And he immortalized her. Mm-hmm. So movie. you put me on the spot. What are your, if you had to pick 10 favorite films? God, that's hard. Oh, oh no, I, shit. I, 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 <laughs> but yeah, I just put me through it. No, I mean, if I have to. Okay. One of my all-time favorites, that, and this goes from when I was a little girl, the original Beauty and the Beast, the French version from... I got to oh, see that God. movie. So my short film I was telling you about before mm-hmm. played at the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. And I got to. I, s- I heard about. I that. got to see, be- that I got to see Beauty and the Beast on film in a French theater. Oh my God, I'm jealous. When I went to Paris, I bought the poster because it was a big deal because I loved that film. That was my favorite fairy tale when I was a little girl, and then I loved it because it's just so. What did you think of the film? I thought it was wonderful. Wasn't it beautiful? Yeah. I mean, it's just so dreamy and. What I film? Mean, it's just so visual. It, it's not like the Disney. <laughs> what film? It's Beauty and the Beast. The French, the French version. version. Oh. Black and white French. Fucking Jean Cocteau. Jean Jean Cocteau. Jean Cocteau. Oh come on! You, you missed the Jean, easy. You missed. You missed the easiest joke. Joke Jean Cocteau. Cocteau. It's right in front of you. It's Jean really Cocteau. Not, Jean Cocteau. It's really not. John Leguizamo movie where he he was like when they were like Jean Cocteau and he's like Cock. You mean Jean Cocteau the filmmaker? He's like no, Jean Cocteau, my two favorite favorite body parts. No, but I I love that movie. I mean, to me, that's one of my all time favorites because it's just so beautiful. I mean, the filming and the cinematography, it's just a beautifully filmed movie. The original Alien, but I love Aliens too, also. I don't think, I, unpopular opinion, I don't think Aliens is nearly as good as Alien. Alien, I love Alien. Alien is a masterpiece. Aliens is is okay. If you're parked behind my car, you'll see why I love Aliens. That's true, and Michelle even gifted me the same sticker for my new car. I have a sticker on the back of my car that's a it's just okay, we got Beauty and the Beast. We got Alien. Alien. Okay, that I love. <laughs> That's the right. Lebowski. We're doing a contest. Big Lebowski. Okay. Big Lebowski. Casablanca. Okay. I've never. Okay, Casablanca. Um. Uh, ah. Um. I had unfair advantage because I'm sober. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Okay. Love. I prefer... I do um, love that movie, too, and I've seen it, it before. To me, yes. Vivian Lee, that is one of the 
I prefer. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. I prefer uh, on the waterfront, but I do. I do Mm. love it. I think, hands down, one of the greatest female like like actress performances of all time, Vivian Lee in that movie. Even I mean, I even saw like on a on a Jeopardy question when they said it was a um, Tennessee Williams. Yeah. Sent a letter to Vivian Lee saying that he loved her portrayal yes. of Blanche. Yes. So I I just love that. As movie. a theater actor, that I feel oh. that in the heart. Grace Kelly like, Grace Kelly in Rear Window is one of my favorite female performances of all time. Oh, Vertigo. Okay. That's I mean, mm. that's that's up there. All time favorite, Vertigo. And then okay, so Vertigo, Goodfellas. Mm, I love Goodfellas. I prefer Casino. I love Casino too. But I think it's because I saw Casino first. Okay. So it's like Sometimes it's hard when you see the first one, you can't get you, you don't forget your first. Yeah, it's like I you know, I love I love Goodfellas and I look at it and it's like and then part of me is like, you know, this is probably the better movie out of the two, but man, I love I Casino. Love. I love both of them. Yeah. And I love singing in the rain. Okay. I love because I love musicals and I mm-hmm. love singing in the rain. Uh let me see. Oh, oh, that was the other one I was gonna say that I love. Curse of the Demon. Did you ever see that movie? No. Yes, you have to. 1950s. Dana Andrews, um, Ah, what is it? Jacques Trudeau. Jacques Trudeau. Yeah, Trudeau, I'm sorry. I'm, I think so. I think that's how it's pronounced. I said it with such authority that I guess if I actually know. That's I felt like how, uh, the hand slap from the priest before I got booked. No, it's a movie I know of. I just haven't seen it. But Curse of the Demon is awesome. That movie scared the Trineau, shit out of Jacques me. Jacques Trudeau directed a lot of Val Luton's films, didn't he? I'm thinking, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, because remember they did Cat People, Curse of the Cat People, I Walked with a Zombie. Oh, oh was it the, great the, film the Panther? The yeah! Woman? Oh I can't God. remember the exact title. Fuck. I know, I'm sorry, my mind's clouded from the alcohol, but it, it's... <laughs> but the I don't know what my excuse story is. Story of my life. But... But the like cat. Oh, I love cat people and all. But Curse of the Demon, you have to check it out. That okay. movie I saw when I was a kid, and that movie scared the shit out of me. And it's still creepy to this day. And it's from nineteen fifties. It's a very well done. Very I think we're. I think we're on nine. The devil. <laughs> I think we're on nine. Okay. So nine. Uh, Curse of the Demon. Oh my god. Um, Give me something contemporary. What's like one of like last ten or twenty years? Last twenty. Oh boy. Um, I'm trying to think. New stuff. I mean, I, okay. I said Big Lebowski. Because like I oh, said, like Drive. Or... Oh yeah, Drive. I was oh, gonna say okay. Michelle really loves Drive. I did. I do. I own yeah. that one. I know that about <clears throat> Michelle. That's um, my mom. Michelle's my mom, by the way. No, I She's guess I, I'd have mom. to say The Godfather because I love The God. Well, I don't know. It's a tie with Godfather or Scarface because I love Scarface. I, I just love that movie. I, I'm a big Brian, fan. Me too. Brian De Palma directed the fuck out of that movie, and yeah. I'll, get, I'll give Oliver Stone credit because he wrote the yeah, shit out of that movie. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. So, yeah. I, are you familiar with uh, Trauma? Trauma Entertainment, like they did like the Toxic Avenger and shit like that. Oh yeah, Toxic Avenger. So oh I, my God. I, oh no, Michelle's gonna fall in love with I, you all over I, again. I was an editor for for Trauma Entertainment for about really? four years of my life. Yes. Oh my God. And I was on, I was on like texting buddies with Lloyd Kaufman because he'd send me notes. And I remember I got, I I got a chance to talk, I got a chance to talk to him and I was, because Oliver Stone was his college roommate. 
And he's like, well, it's like working That's a bottle of stone. I, with Lloyd Kaufman, you always have to take everything with a grain of salt because you don't know mm -hmm. what he's over-exaggerating. But he's like, he's like, oh, I knew. Because he told me, um, he's like, oh, I I knew. Hold on, I gotta, look, I gotta look up a name real quick. He's like, I knew Oliver Stone <laughs> since I was a kid. <laughs> he's like, I knew Oliver Stone since I was a kid. Um, and he's like, he was my third grade Aww. bully. <laughs> He's like, he was my third grade bully. That is my third, third grade crazy. bully is pregnant But the, But they made movies Fuck together. You. They made like two movies together before Oliver Stone went off and did other shit. And then he, all, Wade Kaufman also told me that he was like a family friend. Like, do you know who Lenny Reifenstahl is? That I don't know. She was uh, Hitler. A girl named Lenny? That's so fucking cute. He, if I have a daughter, she names. She was a German filmmaker who was pretty much in charge of Hitler's propaganda. Ooh. Oh, okay. never mind. So like all the the, the iconic Nazi footage, she yeah, shot yeah. because oh, it's wow. like one of those things. What? Because it's one of those things that essentially like it was either that or be fucking killed. So he's like, but he had to do it yet. He told me he, he told me that she was a family friend. And he, he's Jewish, so like they were all cool and everything. Yeah. And he's like, he's he told me one time that her, um, um, she would actually like speak out with speak, like she talked back to Hitler because she pretty much That's told cool. him, she pretty much told him, it's like, is like, I'm pretty much in charge of your image. Mm -hmm. If you want this shit to work, you know, I'm, I'm it was yeah. probably, it's probably sounded more 1920s, but if you want this to work, fuck off and let me do my That's job. That's why he was too much power. In yeah. power. No, it's great. I just looked her up because I couldn't remember exactly, uh, exactly how to uh, pronounce her name. So Le like Lenny Reifenstahl was born in 1902, died in 2003. Holy shit. <laughs> Talking back to Hitler, man, if you can That's survive like that, makes you live. fucking awesome. I mean, I used to be a docent at the art Milwaukee Art Museum, and I remember when yeah, she was. That was a, just saying. That's my mom. <laughs> She's a but fucking I mean, docent. They used to have. I remember they had a. Um, it was a German expressionist. Um, it was a German expressionist show that they did, and I remember when it was. It was really interesting because when you would see it, it was like right dawn of Hitler's like takeover and some of these people was that the art museum yeah like, uh, yeah oh god it was like uh, 20 years uh, ago oh because they, they did a German expressionism exhibit a couple like four or five years ago I saw the one when they did the silent film one mm -hmm. it, that was oh my god that's when I saw like when they were showing cabinet of Dr. Kilgari yes I mean I'm, I'm big on silent films too they, mm -hmm. I remember like that. Metropolis yeah I love I saw that at the Oriental the first time but I remember I'll never forget this is one of the most haunting image excuse me images of uh, the burp <laughs> but it was like this beautiful like it was almost like an expressionist uh, painting and it showed like a little like the, 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 the village and then like they're looking at the baby stroller and when you looked closely the baby stroller it had a little Nazi flag coming out and it was like that that like changed the whole image mm -hmm. of that picture just seeing that beautiful picture of this this street and the, the mother and then mm -hmm. you see the little Nazi and they pointed that out and I'm like wow it was like a real powerful yeah. but but yeah they they I don't know I, I like 
German expression. I do too. Louise yeah. Brooks. I mm-hmm. mean, Pandora's box. Yeah. Holy shit. That, Louise Brooks was awesome. I mean, she, she's in my bathroom. Yeah, tell me about it. She's with the, with the um, bobbed black hair. She's that oh. pic, one of the pictures in my, ba- in my oh. bathroom. I have my Hollywood glam yeah, bathroom. You know. Which my, one? You got two bathrooms, yeah. Tuts. The back one in my bedroom. The back one. I've got a picture of Louise Brooks because she's awesome. All right. So right before we leave, so this is the last thing I'm going to ask. Um, since you've seen so many films, if you had, to, this is going to be our last thing I ask. Okay. One film that people should go home and watch right now, like if they're listening to this, or one film that you'd recommend to Christine, or, you know, whatever. Takeaway: They just need your one film recommendation for the night is. Mine would be go home and see singing in the rain because that is such an awesome movie it's a happy movie it's a musical it's a comedy it's kind of it spoofs film it spoofs the filmmaking industry and you know from the 20s and it, it, i don't know it's just a fun musical and i and i'll just go back Sid Charisse, when she dances with with Gene Kelly, I think is one of the sexiest moments. Sexiest, very okay. sexy, very sexy. It is. It is. it is. It's a very erotic, sexy moment when she lifts her leg up, and it's a very sensual it. moment. And, and the, I just the, love te- it. the technical or cinematography oh is. God. And I love that it spoofs Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And it's just a fun... To me, that's one of my go-to movies when I'm in a bad mood. I could put that on and it makes me happy. I love that movie. Mm. Well, and so that's her recommendation for the night is going to be Singing in the Rain. Mm. And what serial killer is for you? (laughs) Serial killer. Um, Do you have one, Christina? Do you have a movie you want people to go home and watch? Come on, girl. I'm sure. Well, the first thing... That, that came to mind is something that I watched not too recently. It's something that I watched a long time ago and then watched a couple weeks ago. Um, House of a Thousand Corpses. <gasps> I love that movie too. Yeah. It's a happy movie too. It's a happy movie to me. Dark movies are happy to me. And um, seeing baby Rain Wilson being murdered and becoming a fish and, boy. Oh is my God, the fish quite... boy thing. Yes. And Karen it's... Black, who is yeah. awesome. Oh. I love fuck. Karen Black. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good one for me. I don't have anything much to say. I so, can honestly say that I don't have much experience with So this might be the craziest but... double feat. So go home and watch Singing in the Rain and House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. It is going to be guaranteed the strangest double feature yeah. since I suggested people go home and watch yeah. Gone with the Wind and Psycho Cop Returns. You'd be stupid not to. <laughs> The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The Shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Viers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.